It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Today, I want to talk to you about the greatest flipper. When I say the flipper, what do you think of? Shane Warne. Shane Warne. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you're American, it's called cricket, spelled C-R-I-C-K-E-T. If you Google it, it'll tell you what it is. It's a great game. I love watching cricket. Anyone love cricket? I don't. You don't? I love cricket, right? I love watching it. I have been known to have the TV set up in my office on mute just to watch it so I'm working and I can see what's happening. It has happened. Now, if you haven't had your head in a bucket for the last little while, you would know that Shane Warne passed away and he was known as the King of Spin. He was known as many things, and one thing he was known as for the flipper, which was a particular bowl where he could spin that ball and it would just about do a 45-degree angle, go between the bat and the pads. That's what they wear, pads and bat, right? And, get, and hit the wicket, and that's when it's out. So I, I love that. But I want to suggest to you today that... You may not be able to spin a bowl and flip it, but there might be some flipping going on in the place today because I want to introduce you to a different flipper. And the question I have for you, and here's the question, what is it that holds you and I back from achieving some of the greatest things in life? What is it that holds us back from experiencing life in everything it has? What is it that might hold us back from relationships? What is it that holds me back from things that have been put in front of me? What fears? What belief systems? What relationships? What belief about myself? What are those things that might hold us back? Now, many of you know that I, if you've listened to me preach before, you know I really suffer from claustrophobia. I struggle with being caught up in places. In fact, we went to the Barrier Reef and I really wanted to do some scuba diving. Never done it before. There was the opportunity. Now, if you've ever done scuba diving down amongst the Barrier Reef, it is absolutely amazing. It's like in a whole new world. But when you're claustrophobic and you're sitting there with a heavy tank on your back and you're sitting there about to go under into this black water underneath this big, big, I don't know what it was, ship thing. And and that's scary. And I sat there and everyone's going, you can do it, you can do it. I'm going, no, I can't, no, I can't. And I said, leave me alone. I need space because I've got to flip something in my head to get down into the water. You see, I, I've travelled the world. You got into those deaf pencil things called aeroplanes? They're horrible. You, you, you walk in. It's like there's no room for your knees, right? And it's like, ah! And, but if I want to see the world, I've got to flip something in my brain. 
We've travelled to Cambodia and to Uganda and to India and to Haiti and to America and to New Zealand and only because I have to flip something in my brain to get on the plane. Because if I don't get on the plane, I can't experience the things that are ahead of me. And sometimes in life, that's the same, right? Sometimes there's a relationship and I just can't flip something in my brain and I miss out. Going down a cave. I, I love, I, I've been down a cave twice now. I had to flip something in my brain. It's amazing down there, but don't take me down there because I'm scared stiff. But sometimes you've got to flip something to achieve and to see something of greatness. You may be aware of the bow constrictor snake, right? Grows to about four metres. Some people said in North America it's up to six metres. They're massive, right? They're huge. And, uh, and I'm told that some people have them as pets. Hello, come and meet my little Bowie. And I mean, how do you take a snake for a walk? Come on, come on, sliver along, sliver along. I mean, you know, sit, big, roll over. Oh, you can do that one, yeah. But what do you do with a snake? But anyway, people have them for pets. Anyone have a snake for a pet? No, no. You can actually buy, buy mice to feed it. Anyway, so... They tell me, they tell me that bow constrictors only grow very small when they're in captivity. But when they're in the wild, they grow massive. They're restricted by the environment in which they're living in. You put a bow constrictor in a box, it will only grow so it's comfortable in that box. And that's the same with us. We put ourselves in a box and we can only grow and, and experience life as big as what the box will let me. Yeah. And until we push the walls of the box out, we're not going to experience the greatness of life that's possible. Yeah. And I wonder and I ask the question of myself, what are the walls of restriction that need to be flipped over so I can actually grow to the size I was designed to be? And with you and for me and my relationship with God, if God is so big, someone told me, he is so big, he is infinite and God's greatest weakness is that he is everywhere because he needs something to live in. But he can only live in the space that we give him. He is big. But if I only give him this much room to live in, that's as big as he gets. And, that's, and when we talk about today, the flipper, I want to challenge you and I, what things need to flip down so we can experience everything of life that is before us. The joy, the, the peace, the, the great opportunities, but I've got to push some balls over. And I want to take you to a story today. A story, and I want to take you right to a book called Matthew, Matthew 21. Matthew was one of the disciples, four of them, and they wrote this story, four gospels, four accounts of the life of Jesus, and they all put this story in there. That tells me this story was important. That tells me this impacted their lives. That tells me that there's something God wants me to know. And so I want to take you to it, right? We're going to go to it. Matthew 21. Back end of the story. Here it goes. Happened about... Over 2,000 years ago, probably around about this time, a week before Easter, Jesus, right? Jesus is in town. Now, Jerusalem, you might know that it's Passover time, so 
a community of about 500 ends up being about 50,000. Everyone comes from everywhere. They're living up on the hills. They're all camped out on the hills. They've travelled a long way. They're there and they've heard this guy called Jesus, who's a rabbi, is in town. Everyone wants to meet him because they've heard the rumour. Jesus actually raised someone from the dead. And he didn't just raise someone from the dead because that's happened before. He raised someone from the dead when they were dead for four days. One day is not too bad. Two days, possible. Three days, okay. But four days, impossible. And Jesus did that. Only God could do that. Maybe he's God. Maybe he's the Messiah. Maybe he's the chosen one. Maybe he's the king. So people come. Where is Jesus staying? He's staying at Lazarus' house. His mate, the guy that he brought from the dead. Right? So we're going to see Jesus and the dead bloke. So they go there and they see Jesus hanging out at Lazarus' house on the Sunday before Easter. Well, they're excited. They get Felix the donkey. They get him and they bring Jesus into town. And just not on a, just the donkey was important because the donkey was a sign of peace. The donkey was a king who's coming into town on a donkey is a sign that he's won the war and he is bringing victory. He is bringing peace into the city. So when they shout out, Hosanna, Hosanna, they're basically saying, our salvation is here. And he's walking into, he's sitting on this donkey and people are taking their coats off and they're chucking it down as Mark said and they're getting those palm leaves that have chopped off the neighbour's branches and they've put them in the game and he's walking down there because they're celebrating the Prince of Peace has come to town. Well, he goes to town, he checks out town, he goes to the local coffee shop, he checks out the temple, has a bit of an a, a audit of the, what's happening in the temple, goes back home that night. Good sleep, Monday comes along. Monday comes along. Jesus and his mates go into town. This time not on a donkey. This time not with all the noise. This time without the tambourines. He goes into town. He walks into town and we pick it up in Matthew 21 verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God. Remember, he's God, he's God in a bod, right? He's God in the flesh. He's God, right? He's just gone into the temple of God. Oh, that's my place. Right, so he's gone into the temple of God and drove out all those who brought and sold in the temple. Hmm. And he overturned, he flipped the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. What's happening in your imagination? Jesus comes in, goes to the church, sees Neil. G'day, Neil, how you doing? Welcome. Glad you're here. I was expecting you. I walk in. Jesus comes in and says, oh, darn, there's a couple of, there's a few doves being sold there. Excuse me a minute. Just let me let these dubs out. Oh, no, don't let my dubs out. Jesus, that's crazy. Just let me let the dubs out. And oh, there's a table here. Excuse me, man. I just want to flip the table over. And sorry about the money, but oh, the money's gone. That's okay, Jesus. After all, you're Jesus the king, right? 
And then the Pharisees come along and, excuse me, guys, Jesus, what are you doing? Oh, look, my house is, he didn't do that. He did not do that. Imagine, the court of the temple is packed. It's busy. There's lots of people. And Jesus walks in. He takes a deep breath and he goes, gets his whip out of And the lady goes, what are you doing? Stop it. You're messing up my business. And he's flipping that. And there's birds flying everywhere. And he gets the table and he... It's a heavy table. He picks the table up and he throws it and the money's gone everywhere and the people are you idiot, what are you doing? And they're trying to get the money. And the security guards are running out the way, out the way. And in comes the Pharisees, we've got to sort this guy out. And they grab him and people are shouting and people are confused. There is noise in the house. And Jesus takes a deep breath. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. If there's going to be a flipping in my life, it's going to be noisy. If there's a flipping in my life, it ain't going to be pleasant. There's things that are going to be messed up. It's a messy experience. But you see, Jesus came in. Now, some people have taken this sermon and they've gone, well, that's okay. That's why it's okay to get angry. Jesus spat his dummy. He went in there, spat his dummy, got angry. It's okay to be angry. So therefore, it's okay to write a nasty letter to the pastor and tell him off. It's okay to say bad things in church because Jesus got angry. Ah, sorry. I don't get that. I don't get that from that scripture. Jesus was intentional. He wasn't reacting. He wasn't blowing his top. He wasn't going, oh my goodness, I haven't seen this before. I'm gonna go. He went there on purpose to turn it around. He was not reactional. He was intentional. Jesus doesn't just react. He's intentional. This is prophetic. This is something really, really, really important. He wants to say something important. Some people have said, oh, well, yeah, that's why we shouldn't sell stuff in church, right? Selling stuff in church, merch in church, out. Don't do it, it's wrong. Don't sell, you know, people go and buy those nice things up there and they're hanging up and that's so wrong. Uh, Jesus isn't saying that. That's not what he's saying. Should you sell church in merch, go for it. That's not the problem. Oh, well, I know what this is about. We have to call the church the house of prayer, right? So we've all got to just pray a lot. Everyone, prayer meeting at the beginning, prayer meeting in the middle, prayer meeting at the end, because this is going to be called a house of prayer. In fact, we're going to change the name of our church. We're going to call it the house of prayer. I don't think so. It's good. I don't say it's bad, but I don't think that's what this scripture is about. There's something really intentional in this. And let me tell you what it is. Jesus goes into town. And the thing that was happening was that you had to take to the Passover a perfect lamb. 
a perfect dove without any blemish. I've been traveling for a week, maybe a month to get there. That lamby that I bought from home, probably a little bit damaged by now. It might have a bit of, I don't know what they call them, fly bugs and stuff and broken legs and, and the dove's well far out. You're putting a dove on a string behind you for, for a week. He's probably worn out. So the dove's no good. So what happens is someone saw a business opportunity and went, I know what we'll do. We will actually set up a new place. You can trade in your lamb for a brand perfect lamb. You can, you can get a new dove. You can get this great business opportunity, but I can charge you whatever I want because you're religious and you love Jesus or love God and you'll pay anything for that. So people were making money out of that. It was a business. And of course you know that the Roman currency was not accepted in the temple because there was a temple currency. So I'm going to change my currency. Oh, I can put any exchange rate on that. And see, that's okay if you've got the cash. But if you haven't, what have I got? Nothing. I can't come to the temple because I've got nothing. And, and the other thing is that's really, really important to note is that we, we understand that the priests were doing a little bit of, there's a bit of business here too. I knock back your, your uh, sacrifice, you have to go and buy a new one. And you'll get a bit of a cut from that, right? That's what I believe was happening. So to really understand this story, we have to go to the next verse. And this is the next verse in verse 14. It says, Then Jesus has turned the tables over, right? There's a stir in it. And it says, Then the blind and the lame came to him. Then, after the tables had been turned, who turns up? The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying, Ah, they said that the other day. They said that yesterday, right? Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yeah, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfect praise? This is what Jesus is saying. This is what this story is about. Those tables, those, that business, what was happening was holding people who needed God away from him. The tables got in the way. The tables was the boundary. The tables were the box. And the people could not get to God. You see, prayer, prayer is not a ritual. Prayer is not a rhythm. Prayer is not a rhyme. Prayer is relationship. Prayer is simply the actual word means to engage with God. That's prayer. So when Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, it's a house of engaging with God. God wants us to connect with him. God wants us to, to flip those things that are holding us back because then the ones who are hurting, the ones who are broken, the ones who need Jesus will come. What tables do we need to turn? What tables are holding me back from discovering a relationship with God? What tables are holding me back from knowing the fullness of who he is? 
Here's some flips that Jesus did. The first flip was the understanding about the temple. Actually, no, the first flip was knowing Jesus. You see, he came in as a prince. This Jesus, little baby in a manger, Jesus. This little Jesus that, that sat there and said, brought the little kids and put them in his arms. And Oh, isn't he cute? This Jesus that sat the kids on his knees. This Jesus that went up to, the, to, to a blind person and said, you can see now. This Jesus is now the temple-stirring Jesus. He's the Jesus flipping tables. The Jesus who came as the Prince of Peace ends up becoming the stirrer of the tables. And that's what he wants to do. Here's another flip. So it was a flip in our understanding of who Jesus is. Sometimes our, our imagination of Jesus and God holds us back from experiencing who he is. Would you let God flip that table so you could see him for who he really is? Because maybe the image you've got is too small. Here's another thing he flips. The concept of church. The concept of the temple. You know, we've got this idea of church. And unfortunately, just like in those days, there's many people that struggle to engage God because the church is in the way. Ooh. I was asked to do a wedding and this couple came to me and they said, Steve, would you do my wedding? He said, yeah, of course I can. I'm a crazy Christian. You're going to get Jesus. I'm going to pray. Is that okay? They said, good. Then they said, we've been to other churches. We've been to other ministers. And they said, we couldn't do it because we weren't believers. I said, okay, well, that's not a problem. We'll do it. I did their wedding. It was down south. Did their wedding. It was, it was interesting. Lots of people that wouldn't usually go to church were there. Afterwards, they went and got their photographs. They wrote a little card to me. That was really nice, eh? Card, nice bottle of red wine. It was good, right? So they had this card. And they brought this card to me and it said, Dear Steve, they wrote it during the photography, right? The camera shoot. Dear Steve, thank you for our wedding ceremony. Thank you for being authentic. Oh, that's nice. Thank you for not judging us. Ooh. We've been hurt by church. Ouch. That night, five people came to me. I was talking with them. Nice service, Steve. Liked what you said about, about God and stuff. And five people all said to me, we've been hurt by church. Does that not break your heart? Do you know God was breaking my heart? He was talking to me. The church, the bride of Christ, is supposed to invite people into his presence is sometimes the very reason that holds people back. And that's sad. And God's saying, come on, let's break it up. Let's flip some tables. Because you see, there's the blind, there's the broken, there's the hurting, there's the addict, there's those outside that I want to come into the temple, but the tables are in the way. Let's flip them. Let's flip them. And I love, that's why I love Elevate, because I know that there is no tables that's holding people back. I know that. I know that Mark has broken lots of the concepts of church. And that's what you do here. So keep doing it. Keep doing it. Because you've got to flip it. Because there's a world that's broken that needs to come into the temple, who needs to have a relationship with God. 
and the church is supposed to be the reason for it. Maybe we need to flip our understanding of ourselves. You see, one of the things that happened there was there was that understanding of the religious and the non-religious. The perfect, the, the priests who got it all together and the everydayers. And it gets in the way. And I don't know what you think of yourself. Maybe you don't think you're good enough. Maybe you know, you know your sins better than anybody else, right? You know that you've, you've done some naughty things. You know that you've, been, you, that you've got a rotten heart. You know that. You know, I don't have to tell you. And you're, you might be hiding it, but you probably know it. But you know what? Jesus died on the cross so that my rotten heart can actually still engage with him. And sometimes our concept of us, I'm not good enough, I've got to be better, I've got to give more, I've got to serve more, I've got to live more, I've got to, I've got to read the Bible more, I've got to pray more, that's my problem, that's why I don't see God. And he's going, flip the table! Because that's not it. I want my prodigal to come home. I want my prodigal to come home. What's the table that's got to flip for you to discover the fullness of Jesus? And maybe it might be the concept of who you are. You know, with uh, two years, I battled. Two years, I battled because of my experience with the church and I lived two years of feeling, feeling a failure, feeling like I messed up, feeling like I wasn't good enough, pretending, thinking, trying to be something I wasn't, and I was struggling with that. And it got me to a place of great darkness until God flipped my table. And sometimes that's noisy. And sometimes it's messy. And sometimes things go everywhere. But God wants to flip our table about who you are because he loves you, he died for you, and he's done everything he can so that you can come to the temple and engage with him. And the third thing we need to flip, we need to flip the table of religion. Religion, it was never supposed to be about religion. It's not supposed to be you do this, you do that, you do that to get to Jesus. It's about relationship. It's about an everyday relationship. Because you come to church on a Sunday, because you've actually confessed your sins, doesn't mean you know Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. Because you pray every day doesn't mean you know Jesus. Because you know the Bible inside out doesn't mean you know Jesus. It's religion. But being open and being honest with him and sitting with him and pouring out your heart with him, that's knowing Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, especially if you're listening to this podcast and for some reason there's been some blocks in your mind about actually engaging with a God that is bigger than you know. A God that's bigger than COVID. He's bigger than the wars in Ukraine. He is bigger than all the stuff that's happening in the world. The God that's bigger than your depression, that's bigger than your hurt, that's bigger than your disappointments. He is bigger and he wants us to push the walls of our box. He wants us to flip the walls over because he wants us to discover him. And here's how you do it. Invite Jesus to come and visit your temple. And let him flip some tables over. And it might get messy. 
and it might be confusing, but let me tell you, his goal and his heart is that you would have an engagement with him and that you can grow to the size he designed you to be. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.